rich or too thin. Those were our placemats. Um, we ate a lot of eggs when I was growing up. We were also poor. My mom left my dad. He was the drug addict, the drug dealer. And so we, we didn't have a lot of money. We were on food stamps. and um, So we ate a lot of eggs. And then um, there was a lot of chaos. You know, My mom absolutely did the best she, she could. We have a great relationship. She passed away a couple of years ago from alcoholism. But we had a wonderful relationship because of the steps and because of my acceptance of her. And we just, we did, I just loved her so much. We were best friends. Um, now, flip that and like less than a mile away lived my grandparents who had this really um, safe, loving home where there was always a roasted chicken coming out of the oven at 5 p.m. where everybody could drop in and have dinner. There was always enough, there was abundance. But my grandmother was a professional cake maker <laughs> and had her professional you know, business out of the house. And so one of my favorite things to do with her was, of course, make cakes and make the frosting and learn how to do the little rosettes. And, and so that was like yummy, safe time. So, you know, so anyway, so the, those are the kind of two, you know, um, kind of home life situations I had. I was, you know, back and forth between the two houses and very close with my mother and my grandmother. And I love women because of that. So thank you to both of my angels. Um, strong women, lots of fun, really connect with women, which, which has helped me tremendously in the program. I don't have a lot of trust issues and things like that I have to overcome to connect with you guys, you know. Um, so... I found myself from a young age um, <clears throat> with the chaos that was happening uh, turning to uh, not, you know, not, n not uh, consciously, but I, uh, looking back on it when I did a food history as a newcomer, by the time I was about five, six, seven years old, I was hoarding food. I was hoarding mostly sweets, mostly real high sugar candies. And not, a, not binging and purging, that's not part of my story at all, but um, making sure I had a safe nest of sweets so that I could go back to my bedroom and have my sweets. TV was a big part, I was kind of like a latchkey kid, so TV and, and food go hand in hand with escaping from me. Um, I remember, um, Saturday nights were the big deal at, where my mom would drop me at my grandmother's house and we'd get to watch Love Boat, Fantasy Island. <laughs> and I'd have, um, I was allowed to get like a, a candy, like a pack of Skittles. And so I was this odd, like one at a time to make them last as long as possible. So I was like this kind of incremental sugar addict, really managing and controlling it. And that will play out really heavily in, in the what happened, what it was like and what happened. Um, and then I remember, you know, when I, we didn't really buy much soda, sugary sodas or soft drinks in my house, but like as a treat, we'd get one. And I remember the last day of school, sixth grade, and I brought my soda to school and um, wrapped it in tin foil. I mean, I like coveted this soda, right? And probably an orange crush or something like that, high sugar. And I brought it to school and I didn't drink it the whole day because I was looking forward to bringing it home with me and starting the summer with my soda. Mm. 
and I was in sixth grade. I mean, it just, so it just, that was the the baseline childhood kind of stuff. I didn't have a, a weight problem as a kid. Um, and, you know, honestly, the sugar addiction wasn't a problem until it manifested in my weight. And then the vanity was the thing that really started bothering me. Um, so I went through college. I also want to interject here that by the time I, I was about 18 and went away to school, I was 19 when I went away to school, I discovered alcohol and study aids. <laughs> and while I never, looking back at the pictures, I mean, we've all done this, you look back at the pictures of yourself as a kid and you think, God, I wasn't overweight, but we were always trying to lose five pounds. You know, everybody was always trying to lose five pounds. And of course, I was always looking at a diet because my mother and my grandmother did every single diet that came along the 70s, 80s, and 90s. You remember the grapefruit diet, the cookie diet, the, anyways, whatever. It just, it went on and on. So, um, so I discovered, I discovered alcohol and drugs and ended up going on a journey that would end up bringing me to the 12 steps through Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. So it was almost like my food, my sugar addiction had a little bit of a back seat because I was a whiskey drinker, hello sugar. And uh, it turns out when you're doing a lot of study aid, <laughs> crystal methamphetamine, <laughs> you aren't gaining weight and you can eat a lot of sweets on that. In fact, that's all I ate really. I wasn't eating much. I came into Alcoholics Anonymous malnourished, underweight, I am 150 pounds now, I was under 120 pounds, and I was real skinny, but I had a distended stomach, which is a, you know the sign of being malnourished. I was very weak, and I was gray, and um, so that, that's, you know, th so that's one of the ways that the ism played out for me, and I don't know if anybody else can relate, but it really relates to me now, the game of whack-a-mole my ism plays with me, mm -hmm. that I have to be constantly on guard because I've got the alcoholism, I've got the drug addiction, and I'm an admitted compulsive overeater. And I, I just have to, you know, and I also, God removed smoking from me after a year of sobriety. So I have to be, really be on guard about the other ways that my self-will perpetrates itself to look for solutions outside of myself mm -hmm. to fill the God-shaped hole. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it's all about for me, uh, the <coughs> God-shaped hole. So, came into AA absolutely love the 12 steps. I love the 12 steps. Um, I um, poked along in AA wonderfully, loved the 12 steps, picked up all the tools, had a really great honeymoon period, and, and I'm, I still have, you know, I'm, I'm 20, over 24 years sober, so I never um, had a problem with going to meetings. I, like, I've always loved the 12 steps. I've never had a, pro, a period of time where I've backed off from the 12 steps in my life. However, I really started managing and controlling the food in AA. And I, turn, I just my ism, that's just the manifestation that my ism took. It picked up my original medicine, sugar. And it came to me in a, in like a thousand forms while I was sober in AA. I started gaining and losing the same, first it was 20 pounds, then it was 25 pounds, then it was 30 pounds. 
and really started trying to apply all the diets. And you know how they say the grouch and the brainstorm aren't for us? So I'd get, I'd get a brainstorm. The new diet was always my brainstorm. It was going to be different this time. I was always living in a, a world where if I, when I just lose that weight, then I can do X, Y, and Z. So I was kind of half alive in my life. And really still connected in with vanity around, you know, around if I lose the weight, everything's going to be okay, you know, in that program. And so that's why I want to talk, that's why it's like so important for me to have time where, where one oh, compulsive overeater is talking to another compulsive overeater about our common problem and our common solution. Because I couldn't have my AA sponsor help me with this issue. And she had said, I'll help you with the sugar issue. She, she couldn't. So what ended up happening was I ended up, um, ended up gaining more weight this time. I started, my top weight was 204. And I uh, started baking almost every night with excuses and guises of like, I'm going to bring it into work. And I'm going to, my husband started really calling out and kind of helping me, nudge me to this program. You know, when you start baking, you start doing like this happy dance. And he called it my sugar dance. Um, I, I, I couldn't. I'm my, and then I'm starting to age. And I'm starting to get, you know, my early 40s and whatnot. Um, and I can't take it off as quickly. And, I, and then I can't take it off at all. And then what it looked like was I belonged to two gyms, a dance gym, like a hip-hop. That's how I'm going to do it. I joined a half marathon in Pasadena, which, by the way, I'm not a runner, ever, you know. And um, what else? What else? And I just looked at this, the money output, and I couldn't do any of it. And I was powerless over food. I was powerless. And, and believe me, you guys, I didn't feel like the, this was going to be the sexiest place to land in Overeaters Anonymous. <laughs> I'm just being honest. And, but I had had enough. Like, you know, the, you get the credits, but they don't transfer from another program. <laughs> and I could recognize, like, oh, my gosh. I'm completely powerless. And I had a friend in, in AA who was open enough to share. And she had such a great sense of humor about not being perfect, and she was in OA. And so I had the courage. And because of her, and this is why I'm sharing, I'm also in, in AA, because it's like, this is who I am, you know? And so I went with her to an, an OA meeting, and I, and I, I it, it was, um, I was ready. I was ready. I guess I waited until I was ready. And I spent um, four and a half years in Santa Monica at OA meetings, had all the tools going, um, really locked in with the fellowship over there, sponsor, went through the steps, um, you know, had, had uh, some weight loss. But like I went, like half of it was sanity and half of it was vanity when I was a newcomer. Like I wanted to lose weight, but I really wanted that sanity around food that I had experienced around alcohol. So then came um, a little bit of a watershed time where I had a, we had an opportunity to buy a house out in uh, Eagle Rock. And I moved and I did that. 
typical thing that you hear happens. I moved and I didn't reestablish a fellowship, a new sponsor and meetings and lock in out in the Pasadena area, you know, out east side. And I kept trying to connect and go back to those meetings there. And I was convinced that the Santa Monica meetings were where it was at. <laughs> and, you know, my sponsor was like, well, you really need to reach out over there. And God bless her, it wasn't her fault. I just took my will back. And then a year and a half later, after no meetings, the sponsor essentially just dropped me. I was really self-willing. I was getting a lot of success in this. I was feeling really good in this doctoral program. Things got very busy. We adopted uh, my daughter because um, I had infertility battles throughout that. If anybody ever is struggling with that, they can talk to me. I, that's a whole other 30-minute share. Um, and um, my mother died a tragic alcoholic death. She got septic shock. Mm-hmm. She was an alcoholic, and she never got um, the 12 steps. And it, she went into the hospital with stomach cramping, and 48 hours she was gone. And they, I was there sitting there with her corpse and they had to like pry me away I was in no 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 this didn't happen you know I was yelling it was just it wasn't good so at her um, at her funeral uh, I hit the buffet of the desserts and I didn't look back for like a year and I was in so much pain and it was a buckets of the Trader Joe's stuff that you see the buckets of and um, Sons of Anarchy <laughs> was my grieving, period. Like, I don't look like a biker, but I got a little biker in me right in here. Um, and my husband would go to sleep, and I would just be alone. My daughter would be asleep, and I'd just be alone. And I was just surviving, and I had my, my face in the food. Um, and I gained 50 pounds in a couple, three, four months, like that. And I was... I didn't want to live and I couldn't kill myself because I had this sweet two year old. Mm-hmm. I was in a bind. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so um, my husband and I were going to start um, counseling, and my AA sponsor said, You need to go. First thing you need to say to that counselor is, I'm thinking of suicidal ideation. And she pivoted and said, I'll be working with you alone for the next little while. <laughs> and got my history and got me to commit to go to a meeting, you know. And it was the food that brought me to suicidal ideation with things transpiring around me on the outside that was everything I ever wanted. The home, the wonderful husband, the beautiful, healthy two-year-old. I would have liked it if my mom hadn't died, God, but that was her path. And so um, I went to a meeting let my ass fall off, as we say, crying, and met my sponsor, my OA, my dear OA sponsor. Um, who, here's how God works. Doesn't typically go to the meeting that I showed up in Pasadena that day, but just happened to, and then reached out. And um, by the time I went to that meeting, I had the willingness and the grace and the abstinence stuck for me. I did a lot of first step writing. I didn't need to do a food history because I'd already done it the first time and I knew what my problem foods were. 
um, which was any kind of recreational sugar. I, I'll eat ketchup because I've never like gone to the fridge and tried to down ketchup. So ke things like ketchup and um, dressing and things like that are fine, but there's no recreational sugar and it's a, it's a miracle. It's, I am a, we have a family sweet tooth and I, I definitely inherited that family sweet tooth. So that, that worked for me for the first so three years and my weight came down somewhat, a little bit, but it, it sort of stuck. And really, uh, honestly, at that point, it wasn't about the weight, really, guys. It was about trying to stay on this planet and trying to open up my channel and get the food out and try to open up the channel so that I could live. My whole focus since um, July 17th, 2015, when I came back into the program, has been... Uh, happy, joyous, and free in the program. That's what I want. I want to be, thanks, I want to be um, available to people. I want to be in the stream of life. I want to be fully giving of my talents. God gave me brains to use, and I want to apply those, those brains and be of service in my work. Um, I want to connect with you guys. I really want to connect with my child. Um, I want to be present. I want to be able to see the things that I put in the way between you and I that make me, that my, my coping strategies, my defense mechanisms, those are all just the ism, the game of whack-a-mole that I talked about. And so that's been my focus. And I've had a, it, it's been awesome, but I've had a transformative um, last, almost eight months uh, because I had an abstinence, dead set, completely awesome first step on my sugar addiction. But I was willing, something happened where I was willing, where I heard uh, a speaker at our Saturday morning group who told my story. And it was just, you guys, it was just this random detail. She lost her dad and she gained 50 pounds mm -hmm. behind it quickly. And I went, she, Yes, and you know, um, and so I asked her if I could start like figuring out a food plan. So the willingness has really been progress, not perfection for me around picking up the tools. And I went to um, a, a, a food plan workshop here where I sat right there, Holly was leading it and started really kind of trying to work out a, a food plan a food plan because I was standing at the I was standing at the fridge in chaos and and honestly it wasn't about the weight at that point I was about 168 and it was I was stuck at 168 and I told God I'm good with 168 whatever I just can't have this chaos anymore this is nuts I've got such a busy life I need food planning I there's so many tools that I'm not availing myself of and and I kept and I got it uh, of myself, I cannot do this. So I started turning to God and asked for the willingness to be willing to pick up these tools. I, I don't seem to be able to do it. I can't get from here to there. And so there was a shift. There was a shift. And I reached out to this person and I got sort of like a food sponsor-ish. And then I had like st work, still working steps with one person. The other person helped me with the food. And we started on a journey of a weight loss abstinence where we started looking at my alcoholic foods and emotional uh, emotional abstinence, and um, 
I don't know, bit by bit, no, no brainstorm here. This isn't a diet. Real slow incremental weight loss. It's been 25 pounds since um, July. And what works for me doesn't work for other people. So, because sometimes I hear people about calorie counting. Well, that's what I happen to be doing that happens to be working for me. I am naturally weighing and measuring now because I, I just don't know. Like, I had some breakfast and I was like, I have no idea what a helping of this is. I can't let a bowl measure mm. m- measure for me. And so I, I never weighed and measured before until I asked for that willingness. And now I have freedom in it. That's the miracle, is I'm specific. I am not confused about the food. I am not confused about what a helping of walnuts is. I am not confused about what I'm gonna eat today. I've plugged it all in. I pre-commit my foods, sometimes the night before, but typically that morning. When they change, I text my sponsor. I learned that texting her isn't bothering her. That was just my disease. And that guess what, things change. Things are busy in my life and, and we may have a change of plans. And then I text and it's not bothering her. And I think the key for me was that now that I have a sponsee and I'm asking her to do the same thing, I realized, oh yeah, this isn't bothering me at all. This is helping me with my focus. And, and this is helping me, like when my sponsee texts me in the morning and says, check, we do my fitness pal. Uh, I'm logged in, then I go, boom, I got to do mine, you know, I got to, right? So that supports me. So anyways, I'm a link in the chain. And uh, when you were reading the tools, I can't believe it. I went from kind of meetings and then like um, a bottom line abstinence to like, I not, I'm not like tooting my own horn, but I'm so proud. I can check off every one of those tools. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I would say this weekend, I did every one of those tools. And I've had a really um, uh, interesting time doing uh, outreach calls. Like I uh, just, finally somebody started calling me, like a, you know, a couple of strangers. I'm like, oh, this is how it's done, okay. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do that for newcomers because like I didn't know, like, oh, you could just talk for five minutes when you're driving and doing errands and check in. Um, and so that is awesome because now I feel really part of my Saturday morning meeting because I'm really getting to know everybody, not just those quick chats after the meeting. Um, and then there's the steps, of course, the steps. The steps are a part of my life. I am uh, just finished step nine, except for my husband. <laughs> that's, a, that's a living amends. Um, so I'm moving into to 10, 11, and 12 with a new sponsor. So the person who is my food sponsor is now my new sponsor because my beloved last sponsor, we're just having a terrible time connecting and we're not, we're not being able to like have regular meetings because of our schedule. And so it's, it's not serving either one of us to like pretend we're, we're in that relationship when we're really not. And I barely let 24 hours go by this time before I got the new sponsor. And if my new sponsor, my food sponsor, wouldn't have agreed when I chatted with her on Friday, I would have gone to Saturday morning and I wouldn't have left without a temporary sponsor because I'm not, I'm not going to do that again to myself. Um, and let's see. So uh, I guess just with the wrap-up, I want to say, um, how much time do I have left? You have three minutes. Left. Okay. Um, with the wrap-up, um, I want to say 
this is what my uh, program looks like today. When I wake up in the morning, I do the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer. Um, I try to read um, uh, for today and then Courage to Change because I also go to Al-Anon. <laughs> and then some in the big book. So I try to do something in each of my programs. So I'm like, a, the 12 steps work in all my areas. Um, and I'm circling. If there's a Shoppers Anonymous girl, I am <laughs> circling that meeting because I just told my husband, I had intended to go to Marshall's for an hour and I spent three hours here. There's something a little wrong here. You know, like, again, what am I putting between me and my family? You know, and it's like, whatever, very shallow, I know. But I have a very serious job, so I feel like on my free time, my hobbies, I can go do some fun stuff. Um, so I try to do reading and meditation in the morning. That is a work in progress, I'm not going to lie. I plan my food for the day. I'll be calling my, um, my new sponsor uh, three mornings a week. And then um, I do my day. Throughout the day, I try to pause when agitated, especially in my new job. I'm really asking for guidance. Your will be done. I don't, I can't see the end result of this. It's a lot of a learning curve and culture shift in this new path I'm on, but I do believe that God wants me there because God was there every step of the way. I did a tremendous amount of footwork to get here, to get the, doc the doctorate, to get this new career path going. It's more lucrative and supportive for financially for my family, and I do believe God wants me on this path. If not, God will let me know, but I need to be both feet in to this. I can't be, grass is greener, you know. That's not putting being in the stream of life. That's taking my will back, you know. So that's throughout the day. And then in the evening, I'm doing a 10th step where I do A-E-I-O-U, gratitude and food. <clears throat> so am I abstinent today? Did I exercise? The answer is no most days, <clears throat> which I'd feel a lot better mentally if I did. A-E, did I do something for myself? Or what did I do for myself? Because I'm doing a lot of stuff for myself now. I'm doing black belt in self-care through this program. Thank you, and Al-Anon. Did, what did I do for others? What was an un uncovery? Um, I think that's the thing, but it's uncovery. And that's getting more honest and deeper as I'm, as the food, and there's less chaos with the food, there's more ability for me to go a little bit deeper into what my emotional state is and to shining the light in those areas so that I can be happy, joyous, and free. And, that, and these are very short little real honest things that I'm able to get out there in an email. Gratitude list. And then food. So, you know, plugged the food in this morning, texted when I changed it. So in wrap-up, I would like to say to anybody who is struggling like I was, you do not need to be at that, you know, scary emotional place like I was at my mom's funeral to recommit to this program. I mean, if you're sitting here in this meeting, this is a great meeting, and you know, you're probably already committed to the program, but you do not need to slip to recommit to program. And if you are in a slip, today is, it can be your first day of abstinence. And uh, we are here for you, the tools are here, and just go easy on yourself. It is progress, not perfection. 
Um, and um, I would just tell you that the path that I've been on, it's been progress, not perfection, and now I have freedom from food today, which is like the ultimate gift for this program. So thank you so much for letting me share. It's now time for the seven.